What is up? And welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, SodaSoccer.com contributor, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazzogno. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, the international break that, that's yes. starting for everybody now, more or less. And uh, I think I mentioned before, I actually really like international football. I know there's a, a crowd that don't like it, uh, but but I'm, I'm a big fan. So looking forward to that and looking forward to talking about what happened last uh, couple of weeks. A lot of fun action, a lot of Minnesota United representation uh, during the international break as well. Uh, we kind of have a little uh, viewer's guide for you, a little cheat sheet so you know which loons are playing and when and where you can find them. Uh, John Marthaler was nice enough to put that together for us at sodasoccer.com, so you can check that check that out right now at sodasoccer.com. Speaking of which, sodasoccer.com, your new home for soccer coverage in the North. We would very much appreciate if you would support us by checking us out, uh, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast, and also uh, consider subscribing to our Patreon. Become a supporter or a super sub for as low as $5 a month right now, patreon.com slash sodasoccer. You'll get some occasional bonus content if you go there as well. Including, Dom, our first... uh, I guess, inception this week of 10K stoppage time. So that's this little bonus five, 10 minutes you can get on the uh, Patreon if you're a Patreon supporter. Uh, you know, these podcasts can get a little bit long-winded, so we decided why not take uh, take a portion of that, put it over on the Patreon. Um, just maybe something that we weren't able to get to with our kind of hour allotment here on the podcast. So a uh, little bonus content. A uh, topic that you can't get anywhere else from Dominic and myself right now. 10K stoppage time over patreon.com slash soda soccer available for all tiers there. But speaking of tears, Dom, uh, I don't know maybe if tears were shed, but uh, it was another uh, loss. The second loss in a row for Minnesota United as they fall to NYCFC 1-0 um, at home at Allianz Field this past Saturday evening. It was Alexander Callens with the 29th minute goal. That ultimately was the uh, ultimately did Minnesota United in. Uh, the Loons did have chances, uh, a flurry of chances, both at the start and the end of the match, but weren't exactly able to put those away, obviously, with the goose egg on the scoreline. And this continues a couple of common things, Dom. I mean, it's, it's really kind of the same story kind of a Groundhog Day situation, if you will, um, with this Minnesota United team. Every match seems to have two common themes. One, they get some chances but aren't able to put them away. And two, Dane St. Clair almost single-handedly keeps his team in the match with a great performance and goal. And we saw both of those fully on display in this match against NYC. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I, I think this game, at least data-wise, uh, the – Minnesota's attack looks incredibly on par with NYCFC's data-wise. Very, very similar amount of shots, shots on target. Um, Minnesota United actually had better stats in almost all the the, uh, XG categories, those sorts of things. Um, And so, you know, there's a bright side to take from that, I suppose, in the sense of there were things being done well outside of scoring at the same time it's perhaps also more frustrating because it means that the recipe was there for a result uh but you had so many you you had close chances then you had i guess what you would call chances that should have been close uh you had you know you had that brent coleman that header that hits the the bar you know obviously that's sort of an unlucky moment um where you could have had both sides having defenders getting big on set pieces uh, but then you have, you know, that there's a, there's a few adjectives I think different people would have used for that Fragapane attempt early on where, you know, gets the ball in the box, pretty open opportunity, and somehow the shot just goes completely to the left. Um, there were a couple other moments like that from various players. So it's, uh, yeah, it's more of the same uh, to a degree, and, and, and at the same time there's new facets to it i i do feel like the front line that has been playing recently hasn't quite performed this way yet um it, that that 
uh, Fragapane, Lod, uh, Lonwane, three, you know, had, had a pretty good run there uh, where they seemed yep. a little more productive, albeit with the help of substitutes. Um, yep. So, yeah, you know, it, it does, it does. What I think it really feels like is that this team is in this strange cycle. Well, they'll, they'll think of something to do in the attack and it'll work for a game or two and then it'll stop working. And it never starts working again. So that that's the the obvious concern here. Um, and I you know I, I watched uh, your postings after the game, and you you talked about this in various facets. Um, it it's just it's it's a weird conundrum that it, I think the frustrating aspect of it is it just feels like I don't even know where you would start to look for the solution at this point. Yeah. Because all the player options have more or less been exhausted. All the form. Well, not necessarily formation, but all the uh, player options, all the all the squad options, combinations have kind of been tried at this point. I guess technically different formations haven't been tried too much, but I don't necessarily know if that's what is needed. Uh, and, and it's just, it's this weird kind of hole that the team is finding itself in where, again, for a game or two, they'll change, they'll do something different and it'll kind of work. And then it'll dry up. Uh, yeah. and so I guess the big questions left at the feet of, of Adrian Heath and, and the rest of the team is, you know, at this point, this, this, uh, Father Penny, Lord, Fonwane, other guys coming in as something was felt like the last real option and it kind of worked. So now yeah. if it's going to go through that same cycle and we're just going to get into the, another dry spell, I don't quite know what Heath can do next. Um, that's like the short-term version of the problem. The long-term version of the problem is you shouldn't be having to do this. <laughs> you shouldn't be having to, you know, dramatically change uh, your front line every three to four weeks because whatever you were doing last time it doesn't work anymore. That's that's not a sustainable, you know, way of running a team either. And so there's short and long-term, fa- you know, faces to 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 that problem, but. Um, yeah, you know, uh, frustrating, frustrating to see again, just that th- this offense just keeps sort of losing the plot, I guess, as to say, and, um, I'm not quite sure what, what the next step would be. Yeah. It's interesting because we've seen this the last four or five matches where, and, and talking about the common themes some more, it's like the, the, they get opportunities early in the match first 10 15 minutes they get out on the front foot there's a flurry of opportunities but adrian he'd said at post game especially against a team like nyc if you do not take advantage of those of those chances um the night's not going to go well for you um basically i'm paraphrasing but yeah. and, and we saw that i mean 29th minute alexander collins gets the goal um it's a goal that was deserved it's a goal that was coming the tide was really starting to turn in in nyc's favor we saw their quality and attack pretty much on display all match long. Um, and it was, it was very polar opposite. I think of Minnesota United's attack. Minnesota United does not attack with very much pace. They do not attack quickly. They rely on midfield or defended or defending third turnovers to, or attacking third turnovers I should say, <laughs> to generate their opportunities. Um, when they don't do that and they're forced to build out of the back, they're not a team that's going to you know put a, a bunch of long balls in Um but they build very slowly. And what that does is it puts you at a, at a severe disadvantage when the other team's able to block in. On the other side, with NYC, it was usually pass, 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 shot. Like they are literally almost ping-pong passing, if you will, to use a FIFA term, um, to get into a goal-scoring position, getting a solid shot off, and Dane St. Clair is there to make the, make the big-time save. Um, so... If there's one thing that like I want to see more of from Minnesota United, it's trying to to get in behind the defense more often. But as you mentioned, the personnel doesn't exactly call doesn't exactly fit with that mindset because yes, you have Longwani, yes, you have Fragapane, but both of those guys they're not going to bring you that pace for ninety. They're not even going to bring you that pace for seventy five. You'll get that 15, 20-minute burst at the beginning of the match. But if you don't put at least one in the back of the net, 
you're putting yourself in a very disadvantageous situation for the remaining hour, basically, uh, hour plus of the match. And we've seen that time and time again where it's that initial burst at the beginning and then they'll have some desperation at the end trying to get a winner or an equalizer that'll transition into some opportunities. But they really aren't able to bury those chances and that's doing them in at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, without slamming on any um, panic buttons, uh, it does leave me wondering. Look, I, 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 do, I do think that there deserves to be some criticism of, of coaching at this point, but it also leaves me wondering, is there a roster issue here? Is there a who can play issue here? Do we have a group of people that is missing a piece that prevents them from thriving? Uh, I guess. I don't even know necessarily what that piece would be, but it's just gone to the point where I'm not, it feels like this team has managed in a very short period of time to try everything. And I'm not sure any of it has really worked for longer than like 45 minutes. And so, you know, from a coaching perspective uh, or from a management perspective, I don't know what else to 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 expect or to do about that. Um, I can imagine it's very frustrating, uh, but yeah, I I just don't quite know what what else to try. <laughs> I guess suppose the good news is that they have quite a bit of time to think about it before they play again. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it's 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 a weird one, and I suppose. I guess the reason I bring up the the personnel thing is just that obviously there's a a window that opens up in the in the near future. Um, I don't know. I I I think. I mean, I, I guess last episode uh, we we declared um, Amaria an oopsie transfer. I guess, but I I think there's guys on this on this roster that maybe don't need to be there, and I think they're missing the guy that probably needs to be there. The problem is I don't quite know if the room is there for the team to fix that this year. Because there's yeah. only so much you can do with the roster, especially in this league. So that that's the big question, I suppose. Um, yeah, but it, it, it's it's just a it, it's a broken record thing. It's making us all feel like broken records, and it's just this yeah. really frustrating loop that I don't think the person destined to break the loop is even in the squad. I just yeah. think it, I think that they've tried everything. None of it, none of it is the solution, which is a hell of a problem to have. <laughs> it is, it is. And to your point about you know, basically having tried everything, you can't say Adrian Heath hasn't tried everything. Uh, he's he's you know had a short leash for players who aren't performing. He's tried new combinations, tried new players. He's pressed mostly the right buttons in terms of in terms of making game management decisions, subs formation changes, things like that. Um, been very willing to use his substitutions this year, which is obviously a, a main point of contention in years past among the Loons faithful. Um, and in this match, you saw it again. He makes a halftime sub, brings on Maria on for, I believe, Bongi, uh, switches to a 4-3-3. They, they pretty much come out on the second half on the front foot as well. But again, you just don't end up, taking advantage of the opportunity. Coleman buries a shot, but he's three feet offside. Um, you know, it's, it's really, the, we're just, again, broken record, but not, not bearing the opportunities you get and not taking advantage of those points in the match when you're on the front foot, when you are only on the front foot, really in short spurts of the match, you have to take advantage of the opportunities that you're given. Minnesota United has not done that. The other common theme, though, I guess on the good side of the equation is that you get another A-plus performance from Dane St. Clair, another night where he's doing everything he can to keep his team in the match. Uh, Minnesota United is below 500 now with a 5-6-3 and three record, um, but it's it's really, really hard to imagine how much worse this could be without Dane's exceptional play between the posts. Numerous big-time saves in the second half to keep the loons in it, but ultimately it ends up being a waste of performance. Yeah. And unfortunately for him, uh, I'm not sure being a really great keeper on a team that's not performing well is going to get him where he wants to be this year. Um, 
that's not necessarily fair, but it's just how things tend to go. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Ninth Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Ninth Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Ninth Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Ninth. Ninth Street MPLS, that's Ninth and Street, both spelled out N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online. NinthStreetMPLS.com. Well, I mean, and you you heard it from Matt Turner this week in an article in The Athletic saying that one of the main reasons he has been looking overseas and that he's, you know, going over to Arsenal, even though he might not be the, the, the starting goalkeeper there, is because he is going to get competition and training that is going to better prepare him for the national team. Right. and better prepare him to have consistent performances. He talked about how is when he's not with the national team and he's only with the Revs, his performance overall actually drops off because he's not getting the same amount of competition, right? right. When to that point when you're when you're a goalkeeper you're showing out like crazy and yes you're improving um a goalkeeper of Dane's caliber uh, not only are you wasting performances but you're almost wasting <laughs> development I guess in a way uh, because he is just he's playing below his in a league maybe overall that that's below his caliber right now I, I truly I truly believe that I certainly think that's in his potential absolutely and uh yeah you know it, there's also just part of it that the highest performing keepers on uh, in most seasons of any league are not on the best team so that that's the other that's the other uh issue it's why you know the big national teams of the world don't just pick the goalkeeper for like the 15th place team in their domestic league that's a big league it's because it's more complicated than that but um yeah it's uh it's tough for him and i hope that he can make the most of of what he's getting because he's certainly getting the minutes that he wanted Uh, i'm just not sure those minutes are quite going the way he would have liked but um yeah, I mean, to your point earlier, I, I do think it's important to acknowledge that without him there or someone like him between the sticks right now, this team is is doing so much worse. Yeah. Um, both in terms of points, but also like goal differential, that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, a team performing the way Minnesota United is performing right now desperately need a goalkeeper like him. So, uh, which makes it all the more tentious that that he might want to <laughs> head out at some point. But, um, yeah, he, he, I, I do feel for him, though, because he's putting the performances that he would need to to get the recognition he wants, but the team itself is not performing to the level that will, would help elevate him in that way. And so I, I worry that that might, uh, that might step in the back a little bit, but... We'll see. We'll see how things go against the Revs, which is which I actually think is a, a good game to have to play next after this yeah. break. That's not a that's not an NYCFC. Obviously, the Revs were very good last year. They're not necessarily that way this year. Um, and and so I I do wonder if that could be a really good bounce back point once the coaching staff have had time to think about what they want to do with this squad. Uh, but you know we'll we'll have to see. I'm also interested to, interested to see um, Dane's spot on the national team during on the Canadian national team during this international window too. Um, I think that you know he's done everything he could to sort of prove his spot, to sort of back up his words that he was saying that he wants to be in there for the World Cup uh, this this winter. 
Um, so, and CONCACAF Nations League play, while it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit more than a friendly, it's not really much in comparison to a Gold Cup or a World Cup qualifying or anything like that. So, it'll be interesting to see if he gets some run. I think he deserves it, and ho- yeah. hopefully we can at least see him for, for a small amount of time. But, um, yeah, now you, you know, now you hit the international break. Uh, I said it on post loons. So I think it's a much needed break, a much needed reset for this team. And a much needed sort of look in the mirror for guys like, I just say look in the mirror, but look at the squad for guys like Adrian Heath. You mentioned that some of these guys maybe shouldn't be getting the amount of playing time they're, they're getting. And maybe there, there are some guys maybe further down the bench that deserve a spot uh, or, or, or guys that have only really been able to get short stints on the pitch that maybe deserve a, a longer look and a wider look. Um, it's a, it's a catch 22 right now with this team. When you're looking at the, the big picture, because this is a team that really hasn't you – know, there really has been no – there's been nobody in a lot of positions that has really solidified, like, I'm the guy day in and day out that you're going to call upon to be a starter. In the attack, I can really only think of two, Robin Lund and Manuel Reynosa. Um, Kervin Ariaga, obviously in the defensive midfield. Will Trapp by default because there's not really a lot of other defensive midfielders. He's one of those guys as well. Um, and obviously you have Debassi and Kamara Lawrence on the back line and, and Boxall as well. But in the attack, you know, wingers, who's there right now? Loads your striker, Reynoso's your 10. Other than that, it's fair game. It's up for grabs, which, again, calls into question the – you can't get guys on the field that are providing quality enough to deserve a consistent spot, but then you're having to switch the lineup around all the time which doesn't give you any continuity or any consistency or any chance at, at getting fluidity and chemistry. Right. Uh, so it, it's really a, a tough situation. I don't envy Adrian Heath at all for having to make these personnel decisions right now and, and put together a starting 11. Um, but it, in my opinion, the way I look at it, I feel like you almost have to force a starting front line to be together on the pitch for three, four five matches in a row. Even if it's not going well, you have to give them an opportunity to gel together because if you're going to keep switching it around, although it might be deserved because guys maybe aren't performing to their potential, it's not going to, you're going to see the same problems that you're having. The final ball is going to be missing. You're going to not be taking advantage of opportunities um, because there's just no chemistry there. It's just, it's, it's, it's a tough situation for Minnesota right now. Um, do you just keep switching things up until you find something that works or do you try to force something to work? I think at this point, in my opinion, it might not be the popular opinion. I think you got to force something to work. I think you got to force guys together for a few matches, at least three, four matches in a row, and see if you can do something. Because the one time that we've had a uh, a consistent starting attack per, from a personnel standpoint was the FC Dallas match. We had finally had a front line that had been together for multiple matches in a row. And you saw what happened. You scored two goals. You actually looked pretty damn good in the attack. I think you just got to keep keep rolling with it and hope that over the long term something good happens even if you know match you know over the first couple matches things might not go your way yeah i agree that that's probably the the best way to go is to just you know keep getting these guys minutes together and, and hope for the best um and you know if it doesn't work out after a month or something like that then perhaps you you do have to make changes but uh that I, that does feel like it's the only option left for them, so you know we'll, we'll see what happens since the revs. But um, yeah, I mean we'll, the the group more or less that's being started right now has had good bursts, and so that's promising. But again, it's just a matter of how consistent is that? Who are they getting those bursts against? I do think some of the results this season for this Minnesota United team that made us feel really good have proven to be against teams that we shouldn't have been that happy about beating. Yeah. Dallas isn't necessarily that, but some of the other wins, you know, when, uh, when we beat Chicago, the undefeated Chicago, we felt great. Now Chicago's bottom. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's, it's, you know, important to keep track of what's happening to those people that we were better than. Who else is better than them? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I I agree that Adrian Heath's going to kind of have to stick to what he's got right now and and get them some more minutes together because at times that's that's 
gone well and and, and hopefully they can connect um you know, certainly like you said there's certainly talent in that group and there's certainly some guys that have shown they deserve those starts and uh so we'll have to hope that between that consistency and perhaps uh eventful international break that that uh, the group is is able to find some some form when they return yeah, and it's going to be tough because this Western Conference is no joke right now. There's a lot of solid clubs in the West. It's going to be a, a bloodbath coming down the stretch in terms of who's going to get in that top seven and, and get a playoff spot. Um, you have you have teams like Austin who are who were bottom feeders last year. Now they're in, in contention to you know be one of the top tier teams in the West. Uh, you have teams like LAFC and LA Galaxy, you know, who were bubble fringe playoffs in LAFC's case on the outside looking in last year. They're back to form. Seattle starting to put it together in MLS play. Uh, it's just, it's it's going to be very, very tough to navigate this uh, in the second half of the season. But if you find con- some consistency, you find some continuity, maybe Bongi continues his development, maybe Fragapane figures it out, um, then you're talking about a, a club that could compete. But as of right now, talking about not burying chances, relying on your goalkeeper to keep you in matches, that is not the formula for success moving forward. So they're going to need to see uh, some adjustments, especially in the attack as we hit that second half. But let's go ahead and make a transition here, Dom. Um, you can check out post loons following the match for more in depth on the lost NYCFC. Um, and again, we have about 16 more days. If you're listening to this on Friday uh, until the loons take the field once again, the 19th in new England to kind of kickstart that quote unquote second half of the season, even though matches wise, they still have 21 matches to go. Um, but let's talk lower league now, Dom. And we're going to start with Minnesota Aurora, actually, in the USLW League. Uh, great turnout, as we expected, at TCO Stadium for their opener against Green Bay. 5,200 strong, um, selling out TCO Stadium for their opening match. Um, Matthew Johnson, Minnesota Aurora beat writer for Soda Soccer, has a great sort of in-depth article on what the entire experience was like from the press box to the stands, to on the field, pre, during, and post-match. You can check that all out right now at sodasoccer.com, as well as Eli Hoff's sort of tactical breakdown of the match as well. Um, You know, a lot of of outlets are covering this from the the spectacle standpoint, and and there is something to that. I mean, we had some local, you know, Twin Cities celebrities in attendance with, you know, people from uh, NPR and The Current and Michael Boxall was there. Uh, Minnesota Lynx head coach Cheryl Reeve was there. So, uh, you know, the, the stars, at least locally, were, were out for this match. And there was a spectacle, too. And I think that's important. But one thing we want to do here at Soda Soccer is also cover the, the, the on-field aspect of it, right? This is still a team that plays soccer and hopefully and is hoping to compete at a high level. So we want to break down sort of the tactical aspect of that, too. And Eli Hoff does an excellent job sort of doing that um, at SodaSoccer.com. So check that out. Just go to the Minnesota Aurora section there at sodasoccer.com. But it was a 1-1 draw to kick off the season for Aurora. Uh, they opened the scoring with a goal that was given to Shelby Shelby Hopow. Um, was this an own goal, Dom, in your opinion? Was this an own goal or was it right to, to give Shelby the uh, the goal on that one? It's tough. It's tough to have your first goal in team history be an own goal. So I see it yeah. from that perspective, but from an objective standpoint, was this an own goal or not? From, in my opinion, from my, or my perspective, that it's an own goal. It's an yeah. own goal. The ball goes into the net because of the glory keeper. It, it yeah. does not go in because of, I mean, it, it, the chance is created. The situation is created by an Aurora player, by, by, uh, by Shelby, but um, she did not, score that goal <laughs> so in my in my opinion and it like you said i totally understand it's really weird to have your first ever goal in front of all those people being you know, and, and i get that and i get that you can make the argument that it's an own that it's a, a an aurora goal not an own goal but um yeah i i i'm pretty firm in the idea that that's an own goal yeah it's tough to see from the angle that we were given on the broadcast because i think the the rule is that even if it's deflected if it's going towards goal um off the deflection you you give the goal if it's not then it's an own goal so it's tough to know you know the trajectory that ball was taking if it was going to go towards the far corner or not but yeah you're right i mean it's deflected in because because of the uh the green bay 
uh, defender and goalkeeper there. So um, either way, uh, it's uh, the first goal in Aurora history, and they take a 1-0 lead early in the second half. But then at the death, uh, Green Bay gets back in it with the last-minute Laura Linares goal, which was uh, uh, an excellent goal. I believe it was up for goal of the week in USLW League this week and, and well-deserved there. Um, Sarah Fuller made a lot of saves on uh, on Thursday, but she was not able to uh, make all the saves. And uh, she let that one get by, or I shouldn't say she let that one get by. It would have been a tough save for her anyways. Um, Fuller, I mean, just just watch the first half highlights. She was everywhere, making making fantastic saves. This could have easily been 2-1, 3-1 Green Bay with the opportunities they had early on in the match. It was much to do with the performance of Sarah Fuller that um, you know they were scoreless at the half. Um, and so that's, that's one of the things. Like, we, we knew the name Sarah Fuller. Obviously, we knew... You know the her what she did at Vanderbilt, kicking for the, the for the football team, and sort of some of the the soccer accolades that she accumulated during her time there as well in the SEC in Division One. But I had never actually seen her play, right? right? So I did not actually know what to expect when she got between the posts. I didn't even know for sure if she'd be the starting goalkeeper, to be honest. Um, but it was obvious that she deserved that spot and she deserves to be at this level uh, because she had an excellent. Form. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was really interesting to see all of these players play, you know, not yeah. in person, I wasn't there, but play, watch them play, because for so many, we were mostly working off of, of stats and accolades, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I thought Aurora played quite well. There were areas where, understandably, being their first ever match, there was community, there were communication errors, perhaps, or, or space errors, where, where the players didn't quite seem connected the way that you would in a, in a side that's got, you know, 10, 20 matches together, uh, which again is very expected. And, and the Green Bay had some of that too. Um, and so you imagine that that will improve with time. And even with those, those hiccups, uh, you know, again, I, I thought they played a very good game. Uh, Eli went very in depth into how that all played out, but it was, it was entertaining to watch. Um, like you said, Sir Fuller, very impressive in goal. And, you know, I, I, if I'm an Aurora a supporter, I, I would leave that game, despite that last-minute equalizer, I would leave that game pretty happy with what I've, you know, invested into um, as a team that, that, you know, I'm going to be following the, a team that is competitive, that clearly has a lot of good ideas, a lot of good players, and, uh, and has a, a very bright road ahead of it. And, you know, for what it's worth, they equalized last minute to Green Bay, who after that, you know, they won their next game and looked like they're going to be a very good side. So the context yeah. of that one, one draw also seems to be one of drawing a very good team instead of, you know, conceding late to a bad team or something like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, you know, I, I think for both teams, really, it's a game that leaves them on a largely positive note about their players, about their, um, their tactics, their style, uh, which is very encouraging. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Green Bay followed up that that match against Aurora with a one 0 win in Chicago. So they now return home with two results on the road to start the season. That's a good spot to be in. Uh, they will host Chicago City SC tonight in their home opener. 
while while we're recording we won't have the result of this uh by the time we're done here obviously um so if you're listening to this you probably know the result but thursday evening aurora are down in i believe it's kansas i believe we confirmed that it's it's not missouri it's not the missouri side it's the kansas side uh where they will be they will they're taking on call valley and again if you're listening to this friday morning you probably know the results of that match um they will stay down in the kansas missouri area uh traveling east to st louis for a match on Sunday. We will have coverage and a recap of the Caw Valley match because there's a stream for that one. Um, I don't believe there will be a stream for the St. Louis match. So I do not believe we, we will have much coverage of that one. But obviously you can follow the team for all your coverage at MN Aurora FC on Twitter uh, for, for all that, for all those updates for the match on Sunday. If you can't, uh, if we aren't, if it ends up, we're not able to watch it via the stream. Uh, let's move over to the NPSL. Oh, excuse me. No, U- USL League Two. Let's stay in USL uh, and jump sure. over to USL League Two. Uh, big result for St. Croix Legends as they beat Minneapolis City 1-0 in the first edition of the Twin Cities Derby USL style. Um, this is the first time these two local teams have ever faced off. Obviously, the first time the, that two local sides have, com- have competed in USL League Two. Um, and... Two teams that have proven to be pretty equal as far as their results leading up to this. And this match was was widely more of the same. Um, but it was St. Croix who got a Kabi Owu goal in the 68th minute. He was actually just subbed on a few minutes prior. Heads one in the back of the net off a nice free kick from Jared Hecht. And it's that's the difference. 1-0 to St. Croix. And they are proving to be... Uh, you know, as far as that middle of the table of the deep North division right now, I mean, they've been competitive in almost every match that they've been in as has Minneapolis city, but now St. Croix gets the one in the wind column. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is really encouraging uh, from a St. Croix perspective, you know, in, in, in lower league soccer often at, at many levels, maybe less so in lead two, but even in lead two, you often end up in conferences having one team at the bottom that, really 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 struggles and and that literally exists in almost every conference of the NPSL the UPSL it's it's a strange thing there's always one of them and uh, so when you see a new team like St. Croix who doesn't have necessarily a lot of experience at this specific level of the game joining into something like USL League 2 you worry about what that's going to look like for them especially year one um, perhaps a little more than than you would with Minneapolis City, who of course have a lot of experience at a similar level. And uh, so it's it's great to see them one in just competitive games, like you said, in, in the losses they had before. But to get a win uh, in, in a high stakes game like this against a, a you know Minneapolis City is obviously a very skilled club in, in its history. To get uh, to get that win at home, uh, I think is really great showing of, of their intent in really making this team worth something, you know, competitive, bring something to the table. So great for them. I don't think this is what most people would have expected this game to end no. uh, as. And, uh, and, and that's always, you know, shock results are always fun at this level. That's, yeah, that's, that's sure. a big part of the level is the unpredictability of it. And uh, yeah, so just really, really, really great for them. Obviously it's a tough, um chapter in the journey for Minneapolis City to, to drop these points but great to see St. Croix uh you know jump into that sort of mid-table battle with uh you know uh, Thunder Bay right now I think has four points kind of going back and forth in that area that's really encouraging to see for the the health of Minnesota soccer in general yeah and for the context of the table we're not really going to see those those Canadian sides you know play the American sides until a little bit later on right end the season it's kind of the uh the domestic side st croix peoria city minneapolis um and des moines who are sort of playing each other right now in the early portion of the season and then we'll sort of get that i guess intra intra nation uh if you will uh play uh at the tail end of the season so we'll see how these teams stack up with you know the the manitobas uh and the thunder bays uh moving forward but yeah as you mentioned st croix fourth in the table right now Minneapolis City fifth of six uh, and St. Croix does play this weekend. They play Friday evening uh, as they travel to Peoria city, Minneapolis city from a USL two perspective has the weekend off. They will go back to St. Croix and Stillwater 
um, on June 7th uh, for a match. I believe that is a Tuesday, right? That's a Tuesday. I believe so. Yes, that's a Tuesday. Um, So uh, busy week for St. Croix. Minneapolis City gets the weekend off. Obviously, they'll be in in MPSL action as we'll get to in just a little bit. But um, very interesting seeing how things are shaking out right now in the USL League to Deep North Division. But we're moving on now to the NPSL. As last week, Med City, a big week for them as they sweep both Minneapolis City with a 3-1 win and the Twin Stars topping them 1-0. It was Scott Neal and Dion Dazzle who found the back of the net against City. There was an own goal in there as well. And then Andres Garcia uh, got on the score sheet with the lone goal against the Twin Stars. Uh, With Duluth sort of having the weekend off, if you will, quote-unquote, due to travel issues, uh, Med City sort of took full advantage of that six big points on points. Now they're ahead of Duluth in the table, but points per game being that Duluth does have that game in hand. Duluth still technically in first place, but this is, you know, Duluth's not running away with this conference title. Med City has shown that they are, they're competing as well, which is really, really good to see sort of a, at least a two horse race now in that MPSL North at the top end. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even if um, Duluth, were to win the game in hand and then unfortunately you know, med city unfortunately is going to continue to play so the, the the number of games played for a while is going to be a little off but even if duluth has those points in hand med city are you know i, I think like two points behind so yeah. um it's it's a it's a very close mat uh matchup it's gonna be really interesting when those teams finally play each other which we're, we're being forced to, to wait a while for but um i think that you know that's very much going to be a matchup that decides the the future of 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 the North title for this, this season, but yeah, med city, really interesting season for them so far. They're playing a lot, a much, I I would say that med city are playing a much grittier form of soccer than Duluth. I think Duluth is playing prettier soccer than med city is, but med city is just relentlessly getting points. They're just figuring it out. Every ways. Yeah. Literally, with the, the small exception of that draw against Sioux Falls, but even then, you know, it's a draw. You still got points. So, um, against every other team, they're just figuring it out. And sometimes, you know, I, I would argue that perhaps they could have made it easier for themselves, for instance, winning like 2 1 against Eris. Um, you know, that's perhaps a game you would expect to win by more goals. But for that, for, for those moments, then they have moments like this 3 1 against City, 1 0 against Twin Stars. Those are really good results against teams that are performing pretty well this season. So, uh, yeah, they're 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 going to have to. There's going to be bigger fish for them to fry when they play Duluth, but they're in a they're putting themselves in a really good position for when that comes, uh, and that's really exciting to see these two teams stepping up to kind of create that that title race, like you said, uh, for for hopefully the rest of the season, um, because you know these are two sides that have always been sort of the quote unquote part of the big three. In the MPSL North, but obviously they have much less of the silverware. Well, and actually, Med City have none of the silverware so far. Yeah. Um, and so, both of these clubs will be very interested in picking up a trophy or two this year, with the space that's been created by, particularly by Minneapolis City struggling. So, um, yeah, really encouraging stuff in Rochester. Yeah, really, really encouraging. As you mentioned, uh, it's gonna. I don't think they're gonna necessarily catch up to Duluth on goal differential. So they'll probably have to do it on the, on the points on the table. And that's obviously where those head to head matchups will, will reign huge. But you know, for med city until they actually get that head to head with Duluth, it's all about just staying in striking distance, staying within, you know, those, those three or four points where a a win over, over that side that you're trying to catch up with can really, really turn the tide. So uh, we'll see how things shake out at the top of the table moving forward, but moving down to mid table, Dakota fusion, huge win on the road at Minneapolis city, two to one. Uh, this is sort of a shock to a lot of people. I think um, as I believe this is the first time that Dakota fusion have beaten Minneapolis city, at least in the last few years. So really uh, I guess a unexpected result. but we talked earlier in the season, preseason, how Dakota were really trying to pump up this roster and get back in the, in sort of the top of the table where they had been, you know, pre COVID sort of used to being, um, last year was a bit of a step back, but this is a result that shows the rest of the conference that, you know, when they play the team from Fargo, 
it's not going to be a walkover. It's going to be a, you're going to have to compete. You're going to have to earn those points because Dakota is not shying away. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, real quick and credit to uh, Tim and Ashley from uh, Northern Lights for pointing this out. I believe the first time the Fusion and City played each other in NPSL North in 2017, the Fusion won. And since then, City's, uh, since then, the Fusion have not won an encounter in this, and City have won the majority. But obviously, Dakota Fusion 2017 had a very strong side and, and they got yep. up there. But been a very long time. And I, and I will say when I so I went to this game and uh, when I interviewed uh, the Fusion's new coach this season, Samuel winning, I mean, he seemed incredibly happy about the results, uh, understandably so. But he also seemed to very much, to what you're alluding to, very much feel that this could be a great springboard for the rest of the season. Talked about how the last couple of results were often close losses and, or, and a draw mixed in there. And that a lot of it just felt like the guys weren't quite clicking when they needed to, um, which is understandable considering this is essentially a brand new roster of people. Uh, and, and so he felt that they finally found, you know, the key code uh, against city. And, and so their next game is against joy. I think that's a very interesting matchup at home. They can very much get some points there. That's certainly what, what Sam winning was thinking when I talked to him. And uh, yeah, I think the fusion will, yeah, I think it's probably too late for the fusion to have huge aspirations about the season, but I do think that if they can play the way they played against city, they can uh, very much make something of this season. Something that needs to be pointed out by the way about, uh, you know, because it's just the truth about this game, the scoreline looks close. I, I do have to note that in the first half, and I talked to Sam about this, I believe some of his answers about this got into the, the article. The Fusion had three or four one-on-ones with the keeper they missed in the first half. Yeah. Uh, most of which actually were not even saves. They were misses. They just weren't on target. Yeah. Um, one got skied over. A lot of them went too far left, too far right, et cetera. So... And, and, you know, City missed the penalty, which could have made it, you know, a close game or a draw. But uh, it's it's worth noting the Fusion actually were playing extremely well th that night. They just were not scoring until the second half where they got two goals. Um, there's, a, there's a world where that game is a 2-2 draw. There's a world where City win it. There's also a world where the Fusion win like 5-1. Yeah. So uh, they were they were really good. Uh, and, 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 you know, obviously the other asterisk you got to put on this is, of course, that City were playing two games this night, <laughs> an hour yep. apart. Uh, at one point, the games were happening at the same time. And yep. uh, so, you know, that, that's a factor that, but obviously that's what their plan was. That's, that's what they're doing this year. And so, uh, you know, the Fusion took advantage of that. Perhaps you could argue St. Croix took advantage of that. I don't know. But, um, yeah, unfortunate on City's end, but, but a, a huge result for the Fusion. Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean it. Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Vlora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian National Team all use Stimulus to outfit their club jerseys game gear and apparel they need and stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well it's pretty simple just head to stimulusathletic.com start a conversation with their amazing team and let them know jeremy from soda soccer sent you again that's stimulusathletic.com this when you're talking about making something of the season for dakota dom this third spot this third and final playoff spot in the north table is wide open up for yeah. grabs Literally any other team in the league can can grab that if they put a, a few results together, right? So, I mean, Dakota's very much there. I mean, they're two points off that third spot, but they also have a game in hand, right? Harris, right. three points off that top spot. They have a game in hand. Sioux Falls, three points off. Minneapolis City, two points off. 
Then you have the Twin Stars and, and Joy who are there at six points, tied for that third spot. So it's just it's it, it's going to be somebody's going to have to separate themselves from this pack, I think, to to make it happen. Is it going to be Twin Stars? Is it going to be Joy? Is it going to be Minneapolis City? Is it going to be Dakota? Sioux Falls, Eris? Who knows? But it, it, it's wide open. Um, and and speaking of Joy and Twin Stars, they got to the six points each by picking up their second wins of the season, respectively. Sioux Falls suffers their first loss as well. And then, unfortunately, L.C. Aris and Duluth, it's a forfeit for Aris. Um, Duluth picks up three points uh, and a 4-0 win on the scoreline due to the forfeit. Due to travel issues on Aris's side, they were not able to make the trip from the cross to Duluth on Saturday. So it goes down as a forfeit, not a postponement. Um, so that's why Duluth is able to get those, get those points. So um, that's unfortunate, but it does help Duluth in the, in the standings. But even with that, as we mentioned, Eris still within striking distance of that third spot. So uh, I'm sure this will all work itself out as we move forward. But as of now, June 2nd, intriguing for sure. Yeah. I mean, there, there is so much happening <laughs> and um, even the teams that are not doing particularly well, as you pointed out, are like not doing that bad. You know, they, they, yeah. there's still something for them to play for very much. So with, you know, a whole half of the year still ahead. Yeah. Um, and, and that and that's what you want. You want this conference to be as competitive as possible. That's usually what it's been famous for is being pretty competitive. But there's been some years where it's been less competitive. Uh, this year feels like, I mean, I you know I know that uh, yeah, obviously Duluth hasn't hasn't dropped points yet. But even there, who knows when you know when they play Med City, who knows what will happen there. So I I think this is a extremely competitive year, even in the context of the NPSL North. And uh, and yeah, to your point. I think the fusion very much can have eyes on third place. I mean, I think it's a possibility. I think they'll have to do better against the, the joys and the twin stars and, and they're going to have to get points off them. Um, but, but those three teams, I mean, they look very competitive to not necessarily beat Duluth or med city, but to beat everyone else, which is really what you yeah. need in that, in that situation. Uh, and so, you know, Minneapolis City still have it in arm's reach by all means to to get third place or 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 higher or set. I mean, they could still win the whole thing if if the second season half the season goes much differently. Um, but they're going to have a real fight to get up there. There's yeah. a lot of teams that are proving to be quite competitive that haven't been as competitive last couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, I I think this is one of the more enjoyable from a mid table perspective. I think it's one of the more enjoyable seasons the NPSL North has had in a while. Uh, just in the sense that everybody seems ready to play, uh, which is which is great to see. Absolutely. Uh, so this weekend, um, we have a big one, Minneapolis City and Duluth um, at Breck High School here locally. Not not the Blake School, Breck High School. The, as you mentioned on Twitter, Don, Breck High School is not the Blake School, and the Blake School is not Breck yes. High School. So Minneapolis City has played in both places this season. Um, it's at Breck High School in Golden Valley. Um, Duluth did get a 2-0 home win over City back in mid-May, as we had mentioned. So, and you're going to be, if you're Duluth, you're going to be facing a, a, basically a full-strength Minneapolis City side because, as we've already mentioned, they do not have another USL2 game until Tuesday. So, I think you're going to get Minneapolis City's absolute best punch if you're Duluth. But you mentioned this in our Slack channel, Dom, that the same could have been said for the match in Duluth that Duluth got the 2-0 win back in back in mid-May where Minneapolis City basically traveled with nearly a full-strength squad. Maybe not, you know, the the absolute 100% ideal 18 that would have wanted to bring, but mostly a full-strength squad made that trip uh, and Duluth was able to best them. So very, very interesting to see if Minneapolis City can sort of win this uh, return match here or if Duluth is going to further solidify themselves as a class of the NPSL North. Yeah, this is going to be, I mean, the, this matchup always ends up being important on the pitch, which I think has helped the, the the health of the rivalry in the sense that these two teams always end up having, you know, a title or a playoff spot on the line when they play each other. But uh, that has certainly not changed for, for this upcoming week. Uh, for, for From a city perspective, this is the kind of game that if you want to end up still finishing in the top two, I think you really need to get something out of. Yeah. Uh, and from a Duluth perspective, one, it's an opportunity to 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 clean sweep a rival. Um, 
and on the other uh, another angle, you win this, it starts to feel pretty pretty secure at least for a top two finish. Yep. Um, obviously the, those Med City games we talked about still yet to happen, but uh, I, you know if if you're not going to drop points here, it's not a lot of places you're going to drop points. So absolutely, um, very curious to see what happens. You know, I mean. City have the opportunity to be the first team to score on Duluth uh, would be uh, something yeah. which I which I guess is a is a reflection of how Duluth's year has gone. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this is going to be a really interesting match. I know that both teams are really going to want to win this. Uh, du- you know, it's unfortunate that Duluth didn't play Eris because that would have given us more information to work with about where this team is going. But I will say that in the three games they actually did play. This Duluth team is, when they're on the pitch, is one of the best I've ever seen, and I've I've seen a lot of that. Um, I, I mean, the way they're playing, the flow, the confidence, the the execution when they get in the final third. I don't know if I've ever seen Duluth FC play quite as brutally. Um, not brutally in terms of rough, but brutally in terms of just mercilessness. <laughs> and taking yeah. chances and getting goals um so that is going to be a hell of a challenge for city but like you said they're going to have a lot of their guys available probably a, a stronger squad than say the, the fusion match um and maybe they maybe they figure it out and they get a win and and if they do so if they do win that kind of throws the conference a little more into a loop you know provides space for med city provides space for the other teams to maybe hope to eke up the table a little more, uh, which would be really entertaining as well. So, uh, yeah, huge rivalry always, but but really fun to have a lot of angles and importance packed onto this match next weekend. And that's not hyperbole, Dom, saying this is one of the best Duluth FC teams that's, at, that, that's ever taken the pitch. A 16-0 goal differential yeah. over these first five matches. Again, okay, one of those is a, or excuse me, first four matches. That's in four matches. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's in four matches. Uh, again, one of those is a 3-0 um, forfeit. But considering the play of both teams this season, the play of Duluth, it's, you know, 3-0 might have been a proper scoreline for that match. You don't know. Uh, but it's plus 16 in the goal differential either way heading into this one. So this is an absolute dominant Duluth team. Uh, Minneapolis City, obviously, always very competitive. They're going to bring, give them their best shot. I'm, I'm very interested to see yeah. this match and how things go at Breck High School in Golden Valley on Saturday. And I'll, just real quick, I'll throw – to and, yeah, I don't think it's hyperbole either, which is why I said it, but two things. One, yeah, you know, Duluth has been there every time they've ever played each other. So I, I, I doubt that would have gone differently, although obviously it would have been nice to see it actually play out. But just to my point about this Duluth team, I was literally like on the bench with the team that won the Midwest title a couple of years ago. That team didn't blast teams like this. Yeah, that team didn't beat teams like this. So I, I that's that's what I mean when I say how impressed I am. I, I literally drove around the Midwest with the team that won the highest honor that a NPSL North team has won yet. And that team didn't do this. Yeah. That that that's how impressed I am by what Sean Morgan is doing right now. Now we'll see what happens when they play, you know, the rest of the season. But in those first three matches, that that's what I'm talking about when I say, wow, the dominance, dominance in the scoreline, but the dominance when you're watching. You're watching the game. And it doesn't even feel like the other team's really going to do much of anything because they're just being swallowed. They're just being absorbed. Um, it's a lot less attack. Yeah. From Duluth. And, and I mean, so, and not just against the Twin Stars. That's what it was against City. That's what it was against Joy. I mean, it just, it's suffocating is what it feels like. Um, that, that, that's going to be really hard to beat. So that's, that's, a point of reference for the listener. That That's what I'm thinking. Absolutely. Uh, and then elsewhere in the MPSL North, we have Dakota hosting Joy Athletic, uh, LC Aris hosting the Twin Stars, and then Sioux Falls hosting Med City. All matches on 
Saturday. UPSL, last week, Vlora remained unbeaten, sort of really trying to climb back and, and re-solidify re themselves as the team to beat, as the top team in the UPSL after winning the 2019 division title, taking a step back last year. They're back on top of the table right now. Uh, you have City drawing twice last week, but getting a win this week. Uh, last week, it was a 1-1 draw against Vlora, 2-2 against FC Minneapolis. Big road win, though, Wednesday evening as they made the trip west to Sioux Falls and come away 1-0 victors over the Young Stars. It was Loish Masanvi once again getting the goal for this UPSL side. That's one thing I'm interested to see on the city side, Dom, is, is when do they actually, quote-unquote, call the kid up to the USL2 squad? Uh, because whether it's NPSL, US Open Cup, uh, UPSL, this Masanvi kid is absolutely tearing it up right now. One of the standout performers in lower league Minnesota soccer, name your league right now. Um, so that'd be interesting. But either way, City sort of keeping pace um, and, and sort of keeping themselves afloat in that top four, trying to uh, solidify a playoff spot there in the UPSL. You also have Rochester and Turbo moving up the table as well. So just like the NPSL, the UPSL Midwest West, uh, getting getting more interesting by the week here. Absolutely. And, and yeah, you know, th this, uh, well, yesterday as of recording, Wednesday of this week, you saw there were, there were some, some shifts that seemed to be happening, and then you kind of had some counter shifts. Because like you said, you had City that, that dropped some points in those two draws, but then they beat the, the Young Stars' first team to do so this season. And all of a sudden, it's like, all right, pulling back in the title race, uh, very much so, and obviously Valora now kind of at the top of all that. Yeah, really entertaining season so far. Um, a lot of teams playing really interesting soccer and, and playing very well. And, uh, and you know, even this deep in the season, you kind of have a four or five horse title race. I mean, there's certainly teams I would uh, think are going to get there more than others, but, but there's a couple teams that are very much in the peripheral for that, that have time to, to figure things out. So really entertaining. And I, I do, but I'll, I'll jump on your, your shout for uh, Masanvi. Uh, if your team is having a hard time scoring goals, maybe you should get the guy that just doesn't stop scoring goals. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. you know, I, I, I don't think it'd be a horrible idea to throw him in, in uh, USL League 2. I mean, he, he's yeah. scoring UPSL, he's scoring MPSL, like you said, he's scoring the Open Cup against a, US, uh, a USL League 2 side, obviously. Um, I think he probably deserves to be playing uh, more than UPSL. Uh, yeah. Maybe the coach of the futures team does not <laughs> want that to happen, but but yeah. I I I uh, I I certainly think that if they can get those minutes out of him in other leagues, that he should be continuing to do that because he's clearly very good. He's probably he's he's one of the names that stand out most to me from almost the entire roster of Minneapolis City this season, just in the sense that he's just popping in and out of all these different games, performing very well, often scoring or assisting. Um, yeah, he's having a hell of a season. So credit to him, and, and and I actually do hope that we do see more of him in uh, in the NPSL. He's a, he has been playing in the NPSL, but um, in USL League too, I think that'd be fantastic. So the table as of today in the UPSL Midwest Conference West Division, it's Laura on top on 19 points. Dakota, even with the loss, keeping pace on 16 points. You have 12 points for Austin Villa, so they are uh, in a playoff spot right now. Minneapolis City with a couple games in hand. They're on 14 points, but Austin Villa with those, um, or excuse me, Austin Villa with some games in hand, excuse me, uh, which gives them the, the third place spot, even though Minneapolis City technically has more points right now. Uh, FC Minneapolis in fifth on 10 points, seven points for Rochester and Turbo, six for Granite City, five for Maple Brook, three for Brooklyn Knights, and Abasua still looking for that first UPSL win, still sitting back there on one point with a few matches in hand. Uh, as well. Uh, this weekend, Minneapolis City hosts Turbo. Uh, Ebisua makes the trip to Ma Maple Brook. Austin Villa uh, on the road against Brooklyn Knights. Granite City hosts FC Minneapolis. And Valora hosts the Dakota Young Stars. That Valora Young Stars match a big one because it's 1-2 in the table right now. So a lot of uh, great matchups this weekend in the UPSL. The whole lower league landscape in Minnesota soccer um, is, is something to watch for sure. And that includes the WPSL. And that's where we're going to wrap where we're going to wrap things up this week. Um, as the Northern Conference has gotten underway with a few teams, 
It's Mankato United, Salvo, and Maplebrook joining Sioux Falls City, each with a win in the opening week of action. Joy Athletics women's side um, is the only team to play twice, but they have lost both matches. Sioux Falls City, kind of the, the new squad in town, starting things off with a win. Uh, you know, teams like Mankato United and Salvo, along with Maplebrook, have sort of been in this conference for a while, for a few years. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how a team like Sioux Falls, you know, shake, you know, ends up in the table or kind of where they find their spot in the table as as the season sort of moves along. Are they the team to beat? Are they more mid-table in their first year? Um, and obviously teams like Mankato looking to, you know, continue to prove to be, you know, the teams to beat uh, in this conference. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be really interesting to see how how Sioux Falls combine into into that that environment, that ecosystem that's developing in the WPSL up here. Um, they certainly got got off to a good start, but yeah, like you said, there's there's some pretty strong sides that are, that have more experience that they're going to have to compete with, and we also have a team or two that haven't played yet that you know we'll see how they fit into the puzzle this season. Um, but uh, but it, it's exciting though. It's exciting to see the WPSL back and and adding to the women's soccer uh, ecosystem in Minnesota as, as uh, Minnesota Aurora does its thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of teams that have histories of performing at a very high level that seem set to continue to do so, which is very encouraging. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, er, too early in the season really to make any big calls about what's going to happen. But, but again, just encouraging to see the games are happening, people coming out to the games that, from what I've seen, which is great. And uh, looking forward to seeing how how Sioux Falls compares to the the Mankatos, the Salvos, the Thunders of of the WPSL. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of 10,000 Pitches. Big thanks again to Pence Holmes, Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee, and Stimulus Athletic for helping support the show. But if you right right now go to patreon.com slash soda soccer, you can get a little bonus segment from Dom and myself. It's 10K stoppage time about five or 10 extra minutes of stuff. Uh, if you just can't get enough Minnesota soccer talk, we will be right there um, on patreon.com slash soda soccer with that bonus audio content for you. Enjoy the matches this weekend and next week, wherever you're heading, whatever you're watching, enjoy it. And of course, Dom and I will be back for another edition of 10,000 pitches next Friday. See you guys. Have a great weekend. Peace.